0: Once every year, our ancestors come back to our world.
1: Please have a safe journey.
0: To see family and friends. But no living person has ever visited their world. Until now. I'm sorry. you back home welcome anything to declare uh, as a matter of fact yes
2: little Miguel loves music his family not so much or rather not at all you see Miguel's hard-working family has a long proud tradition of crafting fine shoes Miguel one day will join the family business they presume but playing music, his family is having none of that. Four generations ago, his despised great-great-grandfather abandoned the family to pursue a career in music. He never returned. Generations passed, but the music man's betrayal was never forgotten, nor was it ever forgiven. Since then, no one in the family has been allowed to do anything even remotely musical, lest the tragic pattern repeat itself. Miguel understands why his family bans music in every form, but he loves it anyways. Miguel secretly plays a homemade guitar in his attic. In fact, he's erected a shrine of sorts to Mexico's most famous singer, Ernesto de la Cruz. And little Miguel harbors hopes of becoming a real musician himself one day, no matter what his family might say. But first, there's a Dia de los Muertos to celebrate. That's the annual day of the Dead. In this indigenous Mexican religious tradition, the living honor the dead on one special day each year. They prepare a shrine complete with pictures and offering food and gifts to the deceased ancestors who are believed to be present in spirit. We learn that ancestors who don't have a living relative remembering them, well, eventually they turn to ash in the colorful afterlife known as the land of the dead. The Day of the Dead isn't just a dream of Hollywood, it's a real deal. Millions of Latin Americans celebrate this Day of Remembrance. The Day of the Dead celebrations include local music contests and great family celebrations. And In this movie, Coco, Miguel hopes to compete in one of these contests, secretly of course. But before the Day of the Dead arrives, his grandmother catches him practicing his music and angrily smashes the little guy's beloved instrument. Crestfallen and desperate, Miguel hatches a risky plan. He's going to take Ernesto de la Cruz's famous guitar from the musician's crypt. But as Miguel discovers, the Day of the Dead is a time to give back to those who have passed on, not to take things from them. And Miguel suffers the consequences of his rash decision by being transported to the land of the dead himself. In this Hollywood vision of the land of the dead, it's vibrant and it's a beautiful place in many ways. Still, one doesn't want to end up in the land of the dead if one isn't, in fact, yet dead. But we learn if Miguel hopes to return to the land of the living, it will involve reconnecting and receiving a blessing from his deceased relatives there. And this leads Miguel to tracking down the infamous Ernesto de la Cruz himself, who Miguel believes is his deceased great-great-grandfather. Now I read a lot of reviews about Coco and some people thought that the movie lacked a little storytelling compared to some of the other Pixar movies, but I thought the storyline was incredible. I thought it was clever and witty and at times it, it moved me to laughter and other times it moved me to tears. Coco focuses on two intertwined themes, the importance of family and finding your purpose. Now in the case of Miguel, it's about him not feeling like he belongs in his family. Sometimes I look at De La Cruz and I
0: get this feeling like we're connected somehow. Like if he could play music, maybe someday I could too. If it wasn't for my family.
1: Ay, 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 muchacho. Huh? I asked for a shoe shine, not your life story. Uh,
0: oh yeah, sorry. Mm-hmm. I just can't really talk about any of this at home, so.
1: Look, if I were you, I'd march right up to my family and say, hey, I'm a musician, deal with it. I could never say that. You are a musician, no?
0: I I don't know. I mean, I only really play for myself.
1: Ah, did De La Cruz become the world's best musician by hiding his sweet, sweet skills? No! He walked out onto that plaza and he played out loud. Ah, mira, mira, they're setting up for tonight the music competition for Dia de Muertos. You wanna be like your hero? You should sign up.
0: Uh Uh-uh, my family would freak.
1: Look, if you're too scared, then well, have fun making shoes. Come on, what did De La Cruz always say? Seize your moment? Show me what you got, muchacho. I'll be your first audience.
0: Miguel! Uh, uh, Abuelita! What are you doing here? Um, uh, you leave uh, my grandson alone. Doña, please. I was just getting a shine. I know your tricks, Mariachi. What did he say to you? He was just showing me his guitar. <gasps> Shame on you. Uh, my grandson is uh, a sweet little angelito querido cielito. He wants no part of your music, Mariachi. You keep away from him. <laughs> Ay, pobrecito. estás bien, mijo. You know better than to be here in this place?
2: You will come home. Now. We repeatedly hear variants of this idea. Nothing is more important than family. Near the end of the film, one of Miguel's deceased ancestors tells him, never forget how much your family loves you. The film delivers this unmistakable message that cherishing our family here and remembering those who have passed on are both important, and we're gonna talk about that, this idea of remembering. Well, music is also shown to be positive in this film. It's a life-giving force, even though Miguel's family is initially very suspicious of it. By the time the credits roll, however, most of them embrace a new appreciation for how the, the songs we pass on from generation to generation have a very special meaning to them. Miguel meets a character in the land of the dead named Hector, who helps him on his quest to reach Ernesto. Hector and at times Miguel's family all make these huge sacrifices to deliver the boy back to the land of the living. The film also delivers what is perhaps Disney's core philosophical message. Follow your heart, seize your moment. This seems to be the theme that comes out of Hollywood a lot. Movie after movie in some way or another encourages us to chase our dreams. And this message of encouragement to chase our dreams is a positive one. But pursued to extremes, however, it can devolve into something well, dangerously narcissistic. And that's a theme that becomes very obvious in this movie as well. But underneath everything in this movie, there is a spiritual worldview that is presented and it's rooted in Mexico's Day of the Dead celebrations.
0: Don't give me that look. Dia de los Muertos is the one night of the year our ancestors can come visit us. We've put their photos on the ofrenda so their spirits can cross over. That is very important. If we don't put them up, they can't come. We made all this food, set out the things they loved in life, mijo. All this work to bring the family together. I don't want you sneaking off to who knows where. (gasps) Where are you going? I I thought we were done. Ay, Dios mio. Being part of this family means being here for this family. I don't want to see you end up like... Like Mama Cocos, Papa. Never mention that man. He's better off forgotten. You're the one who... I was just... But I was just... Papa? Papa is home. Mama, calmese, calmese. Papa is coming home? No, Mama. It's okay. I'm here. Who are you? Mama.
2: I'm hard on you because I care, Miguel. There is definitely an unmistakable spiritual undercurrent to this movie, and it plays a central role in everything that happens in Coco. And though that holiday has historically had links to Catholicism in Mexico, there's hardly anything here that deals with that connection. I think the closest thing in this movie is where grandma makes a sign of a cross at one point. But the story walks us through a fairly intricate theological understanding of what happens after we die. In a nutshell, we learn that those who die pass on to this wondrously beautiful afterlife that Apart from you know, its residents being mostly skeletal, it's just like our world. They, they go to concerts, they drink, they laugh, they play, they spend time with other deceased relatives and friends. Mm-hmm. One day a year, however, some of them have a chance to walk across this magical bridge out of the land of the, of the dead to revisit the land of the living, though only as ghosts who are invisible to those who are still alive. They're only granted that access, however, if someone still has a photograph of them and is displaying it on the Day of the Dead. No photograph on display equals no passport back for the day. At the deceased grave sites, relatives leave offerings for their ancestors, things that they loved in this life, one person says in the movie. People in the Land of the Dead live only as long as they are remembered by someone in the land of the living. But there's another deeper and more unsettling layer to these beliefs as well. Once no one alive remembers you anymore, you fade into dust, annihilation, it would seem. The final death, one character calls it. We actually see this played out in one of the pitiful minor characters' life in this film. Miguel's decision to steal Ernesto's guitar ushers him magically into the land of the dead. In order to get back to the land of the living, Miguel must obtain the blessing of one of his relatives there, many of whom he soon meets. This seems as if it should be pretty straightforward, but various plot twists make the earning of that blessing more difficult than expected. And if he can't get back by sunrise the next day, he'll be trapped in the land of the dead forever. As the clock ticks down, Miguel's hand slowly begins to turn to bone like all the other deceased residents there. Spiritual themes run throughout this movie. Magical creatures known as spirit guides can be found in the land of the dead as well. They can take many forms, large and small, several of which we see in this film. At one point in the movie, Miguel's grandmother describes her contempt for music in spiritual terms, saying of her own grandfather's abandonment of the family, that man's music was a curse. Miguel tells someone, I just want to get De La Cruz's blessing. I want to prove that I'm worthy of it. Uh, Ernesto tells a woman in in this film, you must have faith, sister. So there's this spiritual theme running throughout this movie. There's a lot here, and this Metro at the Movies is going to be a little bit different because usually we talk just about the positive themes that come out of these movies or come from these movies, themes that line up with the Bible more than Hollywood or anybody would normally think. But this week with Coco, I I wanna go in two different directions. They get some things right, I mean, really right with this film, and they get some things wrong, I mean, really wrong with this film. And I want to talk about both. So let's start with family and remembering because this is one of the things that they get right. Well, mostly right. Well, check out this little scene.
0: Papá, Ernesto de la Cruz? Papá, (laughs) papá. Papá, papá, it's him. I know who my great-great-grandfather was. Miguel, get down from there. Mama Coco's father was Ernesto
1: de la Cruz. What are you talking about?
0: I'm gonna be a musician. What is all this? You keep secrets from your own family? It's all that time he spends in the plaza. He his head with crazy fantasy. It's not a fantasy.
1: That man was Ernesto de la Cruz, the, the greatest musician of all time. We've never known anything about this man. But whoever he was, he still abandoned his family. This is no future for my son. But,
0: Papa, you, you said my family would guide me. Well, De La Cruz is my family. I'm supposed to play music. Never. That man's music was a curse. I will not allow it. If you would just Miguel. Ma-
1: You will listen to your family. No more music.
0: Just listen to me play. End
1: of argument.
0: You want to end up like that man, forgotten, left off your family's ofrenda? I don't care if I'm on some stupid ofrenda.
1: (gasps) (gasps) No! Baba! There. No
0: guitar, no music. Oh, come. You'll feel better after you eat with your family. I don't want to be in this
2: family. I think just about every kid in the world has thought that at least a time or two. We can't pick our family. We're placed in our family. For better or worse, we're stuck with what we got. And for many, family is beautiful, and it's wonderful, and it works. For others, for, for many even here today, family is nothing but but a battle. Family is a place where there's hurt and pain and brokenness written all over it. And it's far from God's best or it's far from what God desires. I think no matter your story, you want your family to work or you hope that it would have worked. We, we want it to be good. When when we have kids, we want to give them the best family possible. We have these incredible dreams of our kids growing up in a secure, loving environment. We want mom and dad to be Well, we we want them to be mom and dad. And we want to create relationships that are worth remembering. Well, in this little movie, remembering family is everything. Honoring family is everything. Getting the family blessing is everything. I want to show you a great little scene in this movie. Miguel is in the land of the dead and he wants to return to the land of the living because because of his love for music. There is one big thing standing in his way, the family blessing. Come on, help us out, amigo. We gotta get to a dozen of ofrendas tonight. We
0: are not visiting your ex-wife, family for Dia de Muertos. I demand to speak to the person in charge. Sorry, Senora, it says here no one put up your photo. My family always, always puts my photo on the ofrenda. That devil box tells you nothing but lies. Mamai, Melda. Oh, oh, mi familia. They wouldn't let me cross the bridge. Tell this woman and her devil box that my photo is on the ofrenda.
2: Well, uh, we, we, we never made it to the ofrenda.
0: What? We ran into a... Um, <laughs> Miguel? Mama Imelda. <laughs> what is going on? You the Rivera family?
1: Well... You're cursed. What? Dia de los Muertos is a night to keep to the dead. You stole from the dead.
0: But I wasn't stealing the guitar. Guitar! It was my great-great-grandfathers. He would have wanted me to have it. Ah ah ah! We do not speak of that musician. He is dead to this family. Uh, you're all
1: dead? Achoo! I am sorry. Uh, whose alebrije is that?
0: That's just Dante. He sure doesn't look like an alebrije. He
1: just looks like a plain old dog or a sausage someone dropped in a barber shop.
0: Whatever he is, I am. Aschoo! Terribly allergic. But Dante doesn't have any hair. And I don't have a nose, and yet here we are. Aschoo! But none of this explains why I couldn't cross over. Oh. You took my photo of the ofrenda? Well, it was an accident. How do we send them back? Well, <laughs> since it's a family matter, the way to undo a family curse is to get your family's blessing. That's it? Get your family's blessing and everything should go back to normal. But you got to do it by sunrise. What happens at sunrise? Equally, your hand. Ah! Oh, Miguel, can have you fainting on us. <laughs> but not to worry. Your family's here. You can get your blessing right now. Sempasuchel, sempasuchel. ah Perdón, señora. Oh. <laughs> 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 now, you look at the living and say his name. Miguel. <laughs> Nailed it. Now say, I give you my blessing. I give you my blessing. I give you my blessing to go home... You put my photo back on the ofrenda and to never play music again. What? She can't do that. Well, technically, she can add any condition she wants. Fine. Then you hand the pedal to Miguel. <gasps> 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 no skeletons. Mariachi Plaza, here I come! Two seconds and you already break your promise. This isn't fair, it's my life. You already had yours. Papa Julio, I asked for your blessing. Uh Tia Rosita, (laughs) Oscar, Felipe, Tia Victoria. Don't make this hard, mijo. You go home my way or no way. You really hate music that much? I will not let you go down the same path he did. same path he did his family listen to your mama Imena. she's just looking out for be you be reasonable uh, con permiso. I need to visit the restroom be right back
2: uh should
1: we tell him there are no restrooms in the land of the dead
2: this idea of remembering and wanting to live in the blessing of your family is one of the things that Coco gets right Family really is an incredibly important part of life, and it's incredibly important to everything in our lives remember when Jesus was on the cross one of his very last acts in the midst of his crucifixion his own mother was standing by she is watching her son die and Jesus does this most amazing thing he cares for his mother he cares about his mother he looks toward John one of his closest disciples one of his best friends and he and he makes sure that he would take care of his mother take care of her he says just as if she was your own mama what an amazing description of of the beauty of family, how important family is. There's just something powerful and deeply personal about getting family right. In this movie, it's, it's more than just about being loyal to family. It's deeper than that. It's remembering family. It's about carrying those experiences through your life and learning from them, the good and the bad. In this movie, they have this memory of the great-great-grandfather who betrayed them and hurt them. He ran out on them, but nobody wants to talk about it. They want to sweep his memory under the rug. They, they want to pretend that it never happened, that he didn't exist. Instead of learning, they want to forget. And this movie teaches us something really, really important about remembering. You see, we live in this fast-paced world that constantly demands our attention. The regular barrage of headlines makes it you know, hard to remember last week's breaking news, let alone the, the memories of a lifetime. In a world that moves so quickly, remembrance is often a liability, especially when our memories hurt, when there's when there's pain in our memories. And from this little film, we, we learn that we need to remember even the painful parts of our life, which we prefer to forget. This little animation flick provoked some thoughtful questions about the significance of memory. You know, why should we remember? What do we lose by forgetting? And perhaps most importantly, how do we remember the hard things of life without forgetting the beauty of the process we live through? The film addresses each of these questions through the lens of family life. Remembrance and loss are central to the plot of this film. Residents of the land of the dead depend on their living families to maintain their memories. If if lost, the dead dissolve into this erythial dust and they drift away forgotten forever. Coco portrays forgetfulness as a powerful force both in this present life and in the afterlife. As a matter of fact, after her husband left, Miguel's great-great-grandmother excised the man's memory from from her life, from all of her family life. But in doing so, she also deprived her daughter Coco of recalling the brief joys she had with her father, as well as the presence of music. It is an understandable decision. No one wants to live with that kind of pain, but removing all memory creates a pain of its own, one that carries consequences for the future. In some ways, Miguel's rebellion is one of those consequences. His decision to chase his dream of music at the expense of of his family stems from a misunderstanding of his great-great-grandfather, one made possible by his family's commitment to forget him altogether. So how do we remember in a way that embraces both the pain and the joys of our past? Well, Coco resolves this tension through support of family and through the support of community life. And the scripture teaches us to take time to remember as well. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but the scripture teaches us that remembrance is good, that it is good to remember both the good and the bad, to learn from it and to grow into our next steps. There's an amazing little story that comes from one of my favorite books in the Bible. It's the book of Joshua. And the people of Israel are just about ready to cross over to the land of Jordan into what is called the promised land. They had just endured 40 long and difficult hard years. Sure, there were joys along the way, but these were difficult times for the people of Israel. And when they finally crossed over the Jordan River, they were on the home stretch. The Promised Land was just ahead of them. It was up, up, up. It was joy, joy, joy. But God does an amazing little thing here. God leads them back to remember. Look at this little passage. It's found in Joshua chapter four and it says, when the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, choose 12 men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests are standing, and carry them over with you, and put them down at the place where you are to stay tonight. And so Joshua called together the 12 men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and he said to them, Go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan River. Each of you is to take a stone on his shoulder according to the number of tribes of the Israelites to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan River was cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. Now you think about that. Just as great joy was coming their way, God leads them back, back into the river, back into the muck, back into the mud, back into the hard times and tells them, remember this. Remember how God came through for you even during the hard times, that God was there all the way through your life. He doesn't say just forget the junk. He doesn't say just forget the past. He says, remember it and remember how God was with you. You. I came across a writer when I was reading about this film, and I can't remember who it was, but, but he wrote about this idea of remembrance. And he said something like this, he says, the fact that joy will always be tinged with sorrow should neither crush us nor cause us to flee from painful memories. And, and here's why, because Jesus has redeemed us. And Jesus says that sorrow in this world, it's temporary. And this life is temporary. This is one of the great theological themes in this movie, and it's really one of the great theological themes in the Bible, this idea of remembrance. Remembrance is a pathway to salvation in a sense. But in this movie, they get it really, really wrong. It teaches that salvation or eternal life in the land of the dead is, is found by, by being remembered by others, especially our family. In this movie, one needs their family to place their picture on the family's ofrenda. It's kind of like an altar to remember the deceased ancestors. They have to do this in order for the dead to return to the land of the living on the day of the dead. Uh, If not, they will vanish into oblivion. But listen friends, this is wrong. Our salvation doesn't come from people remembering us. It doesn't come from us making a name for ourselves so that people remember us, not at all. Salvation comes from God remembering us. That's where it comes from. Not from people remembering us, but from God remembering us. The reason I wanted to focus a little bit on this idea of remembrance is that it's a very significant theme in the scripture. The word remember is all the way through the Bible. In Genesis 8, for example, it says that God remembered Noah and the waters subsided. In Genesis 19, it says that God remembered Abraham and gives him a son and he remembers Rachel uh, and opens her, her, her womb. Samson prays that the Lord would remember him in his death. Hannah prays that the Lord would remember her, and he and he does, he opens her womb for her, right? Nearly all of the prophets beg God to remember his people. And then of course, the thief on the cross asks Jesus to remember him when he comes into his kingdom, to which Jesus replied, today you will be with me in paradise. Indeed, it's not family who is our source of redemption. We don't need family to remember us. I mean, it's nice, it's important, But it is Christ, it is through Christ that we are redeemed. It's through Christ that we are adopted by the Father to be made His children, to be sealed by His Spirit. It's Him who calls us by name and gives us salvation. It's He who remembers us. We need God to remember us. We need to have this right relationship with God. We need to remember God, and He needs to remember you. I want to play just one more clip for you, and then I want to tell you a story that comes in the life of Jesus. Check this out.
0: Brings back memories.
2: Gracias.
0: Wait, what happened? He's been forgotten. When there's no one left in the living world who remembers you, you disappear from this world. We call it the final death. Where did he go? No one knows. But I've met him. I could remember him when I go back. No, it doesn't work like that, Tamako. Our memories, they have to be passed down by those who knew us in life. In the stories they tell about us. But there's no one left alive to pass down Chicha's stories. Hey, it happens to everyone eventually. Come on, De La Cruzito. You've got a contest to win
2: this movie presents some challenges the main challenges related to the worldview that the movie portrays one where dead people can come back to the world of the living and the living person miguel in this case is able to travel to the land of the dead in this worldview, dead people stay alive in the afterlife as long as living people remember them if the living forget them they eventually experience eternal death this is closer to animism this is closer to hinduism than biblical faith and it is simply wrong. And I get it. Some of you are going, Pastor Jay, it's only a movie. It's an animation flick at that. Uh, It's just a movie. You're right. And it's a really great movie. And it's creative. And it's emotional. And it's powerful. And the story is incredible. And that's what makes it so dangerous. Jesus said, what we fill our eyes with eventually fills our heart. In other words, if we let things come into our lives and into our minds, into our souls unfiltered, they affect us. They affect our soul. They affect the way that we think. And eventually, the way we think is what we believe. And this is why as parents, it's so important for us to talk to our children when we see things like this, to to make sure they understand what is right and what is wrong, what is true, and what is a lie. Did you know that Jesus dealt with these kinds of questions? Questions like, what will happen when we die? Is there a heaven? Is there a hell? Is hell really that bad? Can, Can the dead come back to life? Can Can we talk to the dead? Can can the dead visit us? You know, can we talk to grandma? You know, that kind of a thing. Well, Jesus tackled so much of this in one powerful story found in Luke 16. I just want to read it to you. And it says this. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every single day. And at his gate, there was this beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. So you see this story being set up that one man had everything in this world and one man was poor. But there's not only the difference in wealth, but we're gonna learn there's a difference in what was happening in their soul. The time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. That's a picture of being carried into heaven. The, the rich man also died and he was buried, but he was buried in Hades where there was torment. He looked up when he was in Hades, when he was in hell, he looked up and he saw Abraham far away with Lazarus at his side. And so he calls out to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip his the tip of his finger in water to cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, while Lazarus received bad things. In other, words, in other words, in your lifetime, you weren't concerned about spiritual things. You weren't concerned about anything deeper. You weren't concerned about your soul in this life. Well, Lazarus was. The issue is not rich versus poor. The issue is a rich soul versus a poor soul. That's the difference. And the poor man had a rich soul, and the rich man had a poor soul. So Jesus says that Abraham replies that in this life, you rich guy, you received everything that you ever wanted. But now this poor man, Lazarus, he is being comforted here, and you are in agony. Verse 26 says it like this. And besides all of this, between us and you a great chasm has been set in place, so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. There is this divide between heaven and hell, it's fixed. He answered, then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. Verse 29, Abraham says, They have Moses and they have the prophets. Let them listen to them. In other words, they've been warned. The the scripture's clear, they have preachers, they have churches, they have all these things of faith that can let them know. But by the time you die, it's simply too late. There's no crossing back over. But this rich guy says, no, Father Abraham, but, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. He said to them, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. This might be a bit surprising for some, but no Bible spokesman places more stress on hell as a final consequence of God's judgment of condemnation than, than Jesus. God's son was the great theologian of hell. Jesus, the one who spoke of the inescapable, never ending, always pursuing love of God, spoke about hell more than anybody else did. One of the foundational principles Jesus taught in this lesson of the rich man and Lazarus was that hell has no exit door. Uh, he, He makes it clear that there is this great chasm that's that it's in place, that there's this separation between heaven and hell in the afterlife. And and there's no moving back and forth. Nobody can cross over. You know, a lot of us grew up with this idea that there's this purgatory out there that, that you can kind of hang in the balance. But the scripture doesn't teach that. Jesus teaches that there is a divide and it's fixed. It uses the word, there's this chasm that's cast. In other words, it's set in stone. It's set in concrete. You, you have to make your decision here, right now in, in your life. It says that today is the day of salvation. You can't wait until eternity to beg for the for divine forgiveness. You, you need to seek God while, while you still have breath. Uh, does this make God terrible? Does this make God bad? No. The scripture says that God is patient with you. He wants you to, to know his grace. He's long-suffering with you. He, 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 he speaks into your life. It says that he knocks on your heart door over and over. He, he calls you to repentance, but you must turn to God here and now. And friends, when you die, so many of the world religions teach that you can fix it later in eternity or that you have another chance at this. The scripture does not teach that. Jesus certainly doesn't teach that. He says, this is your one chance to get right with God. Friends, I beg you, uh, turn to God, move toward God. Don't wait until it's too late. Don't wait thinking you're gonna have a dying breath moment that you can make it right with God. You're gonna miss him you don't want to miss him you don't want to miss him for all of eternity and you don't want to miss him for the rest of your life you know friends I get it we live in a culture where nobody wants to talk about hell you don't even want to come to church and hear the preacher man talk about hell but talking about hell was is the most loving thing that somebody can do it it really is this is what makes Jesus so loving is that he, he warned us of of the consequences of eternity he warned us of this idea of separation between us and God he he, he said you don't want to spend eternity like that he, he he told us that that if we come to him in faith that if we trust in him for the forgiveness of our sins that we will pass from death to life this is the greatest news ever to be warned you know that you got a problem medically when the doctor comes to you and says you got cancer uh, you you have a terrible disease and I got the remedy this is the greatest of love that a person can do they can tell you what is good for you that is what Christ does and that's what I want to do for you today is to tell you a great thing of love that if you are careful to bend your soul before Christ to bend your knee before him to ask him to forgive your sin to come and take over your life to to move toward him to take your next steps with him you will pass from death to life what an amazing promise what an amazing thing so this little movie, Coco, left me feeling conflicted. Uh, it, it's a typical Pixar movie in many ways. It's vivid, it's imaginative, it's, it's rollicking, it's winsome, it's tender, it's emotional. It, it's a great movie. And the filmmaker never wavers in their focus of the importance of family. What an incredible reminder. But is it possible to focus on the family too much? And the surprising answer here is yes, I, th- I think it is possible. Because in this movie, it's dangerously close to worshiping family. We are not called to worship family. We are called to worship God. Family is a big part of hope in our life, but it's not our hope for all of eternity. Jesus is our hope. So this is a great little movie in a lot of ways, but make sure that you separate the truth from a lie.